now with his tea with the blessed and having Dana with us last night. It was really great. Um, so we're thankful to be here. Wonderful meeting this morning, guys. Uh, what a blessing. Uh, some good work. Sister Linda, wasn't great? It was good this morning? Awesome. Amen. So what awesome. a blessing, uh, guys. Uh, it's just great to get together with many women of God that love the Lord and are like-minded and just open up the Word of God and just let the Holy Spirit teach. And we just learn from the, from the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I'm wondering, uh, hello, guys. How you guys doing on... Uh, on Skype, uh, wondering if we're coming through clear. Everything uh, working okay where you at? Uh, I see Boyd's up there. Hello, Boyd. How you doing, brother? Good to see you. Good job. Everything coming through okay, Good Boyd? This is Boyd. Yeah, everything's fine. You can hear you guys really good. Good, good. Thank you, man. Great to see you guys. Uh, Looks like uh, Don's over there. Don, we miss you tonight, brother. Good to, uh, good to see you. We had a great time last night, Don. It really, really went well. Everybody missed you tremendously. So we want to have you back soon. Yeah, I wish I could have been there. Amen. You doing okay? All is well. Amen. Coming in over on the end. It's all good. Good, good. Good to hear from you. Thank you, Lord. Well, what a blessing. Hallelujah. Um, ben, would you open up, open us up on prayer in prayer, please? Dearly, Father God, we just... Come together, Father. You say with two or more gathered, you are in our midst, God. We just thank you for that, Father. God, I just ask you to just put your hand upon us, God. We search your, your scriptures, God. We just pray for revelation, God. I ask you to just touch the families, God. We got people that are not walking for you, Father. I just ask you to just open their eyes, God. Just lead us to uh, help them and direct them, Father, to what you've done in our lives, the true testimony of how real you are, Father. Father, well, I just pray for my son, God. I pray for the children, God, that you just uh, you just use us, Father. The heart is just to be used by you, Father, and to be and we are like you, Father. We trust in you, Father, and we just uh, just want to honor you in everything that we do, God. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray. Thank you, Father. I'm so excited about what the Lord's doing in each of your lives. I see great testimony. I'm so proud of my son Ben and following the Lord, walking the Lord. And all of you guys, man, I just see the change in your lives of just getting so close to the Lord. The Lord promises that if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. I understand there was one uh, one of the sisters that uh, she just uh, felt like the Lord just had to, to go to preaching. Uh, I don't know if she's on tonight. Uh, I think it's Tiffany, wherever she's at. And uh, she just got out in the, in the train station, Cedric. And what did she do? She just, she just preached the gospel to everybody on the train, right? Praise the Lord. What a, what a blessing. It's Tiffany. Uh, she's been with us for quite a while. I love that zeal. I love that boldness. Uh, getting the word out, getting the message out to be freed up from sin and darkness and to live in righteousness and holiness. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. Uh, Vince, good to see you tonight, brother. Uh, how you doing? It was great to uh, have you this morning and uh, hear some of the wisdom that God has given you. You're a blessing. We're really excited to have you. Doing good. All right, Vince. Praise the Lord. Great to have you. I want to thank everybody that's on YouTube also. Thank you for uh, tuning in. Uh, be sure and send your comments. Sometimes you might want to try to keep up with some of the comments if you can. And we want to be a help to you. So any way we can, uh, we, we want to do that. Tiffany, uh, how you doing, sister? I uh, see you just joined in. We were just talking about you. I want to hear about the, uh, the, uh, the new train preaching I'm hearing about. I'm proud of you, girl. What's going on? Thank God. Um, well, thank you. I was I went out yesterday. 
I was in the bus, and I felt the Lord ushering me to preach the gospel. And I've always carried a voice amplifier in my purse, but I never used it. And so I was really nervous then, but I obeyed the Holy Spirit, and I preached to, like, the bus was full, and I just shared the gospel with the people. And I was really excited after that to glorify the Lord for that opportunity, because it's thing I could have done on my own. So... Glory to God. Amen, Tiffany. Good, good job, girl. Praise the Lord. I, I hope that everybody, that you, you an example to everyone else in the, in the fellowship, and they'll do the same thing. We just get, get bus loads, preaching to the bus loads. Go ahead, Tiffany. Good job. What Lord a blessing. Huh? Where was that at? She's, she's in the Bronx in New York, I think. Right, Tiffany? I think that's where you're from. Yeah. 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 Was everybody just quiet, Tiffany, and just listen to you? How did it go? There was a guy playing music in the bus, and he just, like, upped the volume on the music, but I just kept going. There you go. And just get louder, <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there, I feel like there was the next bus stop that the people got off, but I do think people were listening. And hey, I hope the Lord used it how he wants to Tiffany, we have promised from the Word of God that the Word of God will not return void, that it will accomplish that for which it is sent. So we believe in with you and praying with you that the Word will take root in those hearts and uh, they'll either minister death or life. So uh, God bless you. I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm with you. I'm standing with you. You're a blessing. You're a blessing to the fellowship. We're glad to have you and uh, glad to he hear you about your boldness. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want to open up first of all uh, this, this evening, and I'll ask if there's anything on somebody's heart. Um, perhaps they have a need, um, or perhaps you have a question, or anything that you may have. Um, uh, go ahead and uh, at this time, we'd love to hear from you. anybody. Have something going on they need to talk, they want to talk about, or need. Ben, you said you had a lot of questions. You okay with that? That's not, it's not a need, but yeah, I, I, I don't have a lot of questions. <laughs> I just, uh, well, I do actually have a lot of questions. But, um, so I was stumbling, I stumbled upon a, a scripture this morning. I want to just maybe get your y'all's um, intake on what, what y'all think. Okay. So um, it's 1 John 5 is where it's located. Unless, I'm just gonna We're almost there, in 1 John 5. Oh, yeah, I think we're in 1 John 4, right, guys? Yeah. I'm skipping ahead. Yeah, man. <laughs> he wanted me to go back through Second Peter yesterday. First so. <laughs> um, John chapter five. Um, yeah. What verse eighteen, ain't it? Hey, Christian. Hey, Wesley. Yeah, it's it's eighteen. It says we know that uh, whoever Everybody. is. Are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. It says. Um, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God um, keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. Amen. Okay, I agree. So, so here, here, here's for you what's written. So I've been anticipating trials and tribulations, and I've been anticipating things because that's just the walk that we're in. But then it says that the wicked one does not touch him, See, because I know that we go through things and then God allows that. Because he allows the enemy. So God's not putting trials and tribulations in your life. He allows them for perseverance. And we count it all joy. But it says that the wicked one does not touch him. Uh, is there context to this that I'm missing? 
or um, what, are, what are your thoughts? You know what I'm saying? I think what it means when it when it doesn't touch him, it doesn't it doesn't move him. Of course, we know that that um, that the enemy is our adversary, and we resist him in the faith. But uh, the enemy, the Lord allows to to use certain portions for our testings. Yeah. But it doesn't move us. So you know, when the enemy comes at you, the man is keeping himself. How's he keeping himself? Keeping himself the love of God. He's walking in obedience. He's walking in a love relationship with Jesus Christ. His mind is stayed on the Lord. So the enemy has no place with it. The wicked one can't touch him, man, because he's walking in, in in the Lord constantly. The only time the enemy can can uh, can can come at you or touch you is when you're walking outside of the grace and relationship with the Lord. When you're walking outside in sin, then you're leaving yourself open. Remember, remember Paul even wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he said this, and I'm going to let you talk just a second, Wes. He, he said to take the fornicator that was in the church and deliver him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, yeah. that, that he may be saved, which destruction really means punishment. Punishment, uh, when you look it up in the Greek. He, he, was, he was under punishment, and we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we see that, that it looks like he comes back with a godly sorrow. So he, he went through a time so that the, the, the devil, and, and it's also it's all over, like in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 also, it says the Lord's servant must not strive, but be gentle, apt to teach, you know, long-suffering. Long he said, uh, and, and, and minister and teaching others so that they will come out of, of that bondage of being taken captive by the devil and to be released from that. So when you walk into sin, especially after you've been righteous, if you walk away from that, then you're wide, you're wide open for the devil. Go ahead, Wes. Yeah, I think it can be related to uh, wearing the armor of God and the shield of faith with which you will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And like what you're saying, you're keeping yourself in the love of God or you're keeping yourself from the enemy and that's how the wicked one's not touching you. It's just a, the way in which it's worded, I think, is where Ben is probably like, okay, is, does that mean the devil's not going to have any way of attack or temptation? No, it just means in the midst of the temptation, you have this shield of faith, and therefore none of the darts are actually hitting you. It might be hitting your shield, but it's not hitting you directly. The Bible says that all that live godly shall suffer persecution. There's going to be, he says, in, in, uh, and also in Philippians chapter 1, he says he's not only called us to believe in his name, but to suffer for his sake. Right. And in Thessalonians, we've been reading Thessalonians lately in the mornings, and it's the first Thessalonians, I'll get to you in just a second, uh, uh, Vince. In, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, verse 3, if you want to look at it, it, it says, um, you, want, you want me to give you some time to look at it? 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. 1 Thessalonians 3, 3? Yes. He's talking to the Thessalonians. They're going through a lot of hardship. As a matter of fact, in 2 Thessalonians 1 8, that's where we see the scripture that says that, you know, he was telling them to be patient and, and that the Lord was going to execute vengeance and fiery judgment on all those that know not God and that obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were going through a lot of hardship, but they, they were standing fast and their testimony was being known abroad, so much so that. Paul said, we don't even need to tell anybody. Y'all are out there, y'all doing like Tiffany's doing me. Y'all letting everybody know about the Lord and, and letting everybody know your testimony. And he says that, he says in verse 3, he says that no man should be moved by these afflictions, these afflictions that they were having in their lives. Yeah. He says, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereto. 
So we're appointed certain afflictions. Look, Job went through a lot, remember, and he didn't do anything to, to deserve that or anything, but he went through his afflictions, and, but he wasn't moved, and God kept him, and he kept walking in the Lord. We go through things. We, he said, in this world you shall have tri tribulation, the Bible says in John 16, but take courage because he says, I've overcome. That's part of the testings we go through. Vance, go ahead. Yeah, that word has to do with um, <clears throat> touching for the purpose of manipulating. And one thing about witchcraft, <clears throat> or what the devil likes to do, is manipulate, intimidate, and then finally just flat out control you. And so he's saying here that, you know, and a lot of people, even Christians, are sometimes afraid of the devil because of his manipulation and intimidation tactic. But he's saying here, as you grow up as a son of God and you're in God, he's saying, look, you don't have to be manipulated, intimidated, or controlled. Okay. Uh, one, one thing you mentioned there uh, that, that I wanted, you said something that even Christians pray to the devil. What does that mean? Did you say that or not? No, 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 I said sometimes... Some Christians are even afraid of the devil. Oh, afraid. Okay. I, I thought so, Vince. It's like, I didn't quite get that or anything. I wanted to clarify that. I, I want to talk to that. That's probably good. So you thought that too. Us older guys don't hear as good, Vince. You got to talk up. Okay. If it sounds off, please ask me. Well, well, well Vince, too. You know. People were all their lifetime afraid, afraid of the devil for fear of death. Mm -hmm. We talked about in Hebrews. But, you know, but as you raise up in God, he's trying to show people their, uh, their authority and that even if you have a wicked ruler, like under the time of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you don't have to be manipulated, intimidated, or controlled. That's right. Amen. Yeah. I, I think it's because we have such a heavy accent in the South here, Vince, and you have that California straightness, you know. Well, I'll try to <laughs> Now we understand you, Vince. Good job. <laughs> There you go. There you got it, Vince. Come on in, brother. You're welcome. All right. What a blessing. Ben, anything? Any other questions you had? No. That was that was the one that I read last night. Because in, in, in last night, I was kind of thinking, you know, we're called to go through trials and tribulations, and we're going to go through afflictions. And then yeah. I stumbled upon that, which is the wicked one will touch you. And that's true as well, because we have that protection and we have the security in Jesus that all things work together for good serving him and we're walking in obedience so you may go, go through it this is what it says it says um, that you're, they're not shaken or they're not moved by mm -hmm. these afflictions mm -hmm. right and, and that's where we have to become. that's the key factor that's here. right because we're going to go through them well we, you're going to be tested to see if you really lost your life yeah we talked about that somewhat last night you know he said if any man come after me let him deny himself for, and take up his cross and follow me for he will lose his life but if you lose his life for my sake you'll be saved a lot of people want to call, profess to be Christians, but then when the test comes, that's where the rubber meets the road, and uh, you'll hear complaining coming out of their mouth, or, or some of them even cuss words, and you realize, okay, there's their real true fruit. They're not really a believer, because a believer is not to be moved when things come in it, you know, because what's coming out of your mouth comes from where? Heart. Comes from your heart. So your heart's not right with God if you got junk coming out of your mouth. Uh, some people think, well, that's just cuss words. No, that's complaining, that's murmuring, that's uh, gossiping, that's backbiting, that's all of that, you know, is, is uh, what is included there. Um, I have the, tonight, I, I've had on my heart, um, I, I got uh, 
a uh, message on the on, from my YouTube channel, our YouTube channels. By the way, we've had uh, quite a few viewers. We probably over twenty five thousand viewers now on our YouTube from listening to our messages. So thank the Lord for that. Uh, but I got this one person that sent me some messages, like seven messages today, and I thought it was interesting. Uh, they they're um, I, I'd like to see where you're at on those things and just bring them out, and I want and I like to have you answer them. And, uh, or else we can continue in 1 John chapter 4, or we can do a little bit of this and go to 1 John chapter 4. Which, what would y'all like to do? I like 1 John. Okay, we can skip that and go to 1 John. That's fine. But I wanted to bring it for... But that's, I'm not the decision maker, so whatever okay. you guys agree Anybody else? Hang on. I'd have an interesting question. Okay, all right. Let's see. We'll be in unit. That's <laughs> And we'll go to 1 John yeah. uh, after that. But I, I want to give a, a little bit of this, and I want to hear... Where you're at. This uh, is a video that I did on um, a fellow preacher, a very a somewhat of a popular preacher today, uh, and um, I've got s some rebuttals from that. And I want to just read these to you, and I want your answers. Um, okay, I'm going to go to this one. Uh, please listen to me, the woman says. Um, please don't throw stones at me. Uh, Wait, this isn't the right one. Hold on, let me go back. Let's see, this is 17 hours ago, 18 hours ago. She gave me one from, she gave me three from 18 hours ago, three from, four from 17 hours ago. So she's really came at me pretty good. Is that a female preacher? Yeah. She says, you don't understand this man. Uh, he said, if you are born again and you continue to sin willfully, then you will live miserably. But it doesn't mean you cannot commit sins. I am sorry, but you are the, you are the one that doesn't under, doesn't have discernment here. He didn't say that it's okay sins. I'm sorry, you are the one that don't don't scripture don't have scripture understanding. Yes, so she's saying that um, that this man is saying that uh, if you sin with, willfully, you will be miserable. Um, so I'm going to ask you, how would you answer this? She's making the proclamation that I'm wrong, that uh, the only thing that really happens if you sin willfully is you're going to be miserable in this earth. But you're still going to go to heaven. You're still going to make it to heaven, but you're just going to be miserable because your sin's going to make you miserable and uncomfortable. That would make heaven full of sinners. That's right. And, uh, and if, you're sinning, small, if, if you're sinning willfully, you don't know you're at, you don't realize how miserable you are while you're doing it. That's a good point, too. Remember, remember uh, Hebrews 11 says that Moses chose rather to suffer the affliction with God's people than to enjoy season, sin for a season. So sin can be enjoyable for, for a season, season, for a while. Yeah. So it's not necessarily miserable if you sin. That's a good point, Larry. Yeah. Ben? So if it's willful or not willful, willful Sin separates you from God. Iniquity separates you from God, period. So how can you have God in your life if it's not repented from, you know? But that 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 is, I mean, what you're saying, if it's willful, not willful, whatever, period, sin separates you from God. So you don't have a relationship with God if you've got sin in your life. Okay. Don't repent sin in your life. It's just my opinion, but it sounds like she just... Rewriting it the way she wants to see it. Of course. You know, because mm -hmm. that doesn't, it's 
not what the Bible says. Yeah. Uh, okay, then I'm going to ask you the next question. Um, so if you do sin willfully, where, where do you stand according to the Bible? According to the Word of God, give me a scripture. If you sin willfully or unwillfully. Okay, let's break it down. Let's, let's, you know, you what's sin, willful sin and what's unwillful sin? I think it's all the same. The Bible says that he who knows what to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. Okay, but what, what is willful sin? She's saying willful sin, sin like if sin willful and can, can fornication be, be not be not willful sin? I don't think so. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> to be a zombie, right? You know what you're doing. Unwillfully, is that uh, forced into it? <laughs> you can be forced into sin. <laughs> then it wouldn't be transgressing law. Go ahead, Wes. Wes, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'd say willful sin has to do with your will to know what is right or wrong. Pretty pretty basic, like James says, to him who knows to do right and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. Um, so I would say any anything that your knowledge, you know, you know that this is wrong and you're just going to go against your conscience of right and wrong, then it becomes willful sin. You're obviously transgressing the law. So sin is transgression of the law. There's another one. And Romans 6 verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So if you, the wages of sin is death. If you're in sin, you're going to spiritually die. <laughs> Dog didn't like that answer. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I think the dogs agree. Yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. Well, I know, I know there's a scripture in Hebrews, and it says once you've come to the revelation, you, it's willful sin. There's no, no sacrifice. No sacrifice. Was it, how does it go? No. Don, Don uh, give us a scripture if you willfully sin. No more sacrifice for your sin. Right. Is what it is. Don, are you there? I see he's there, but maybe he's not there. Okay. There he is. Yeah. Um, uh, willfully sin. You're, you're talking about, uh, uh, that's Hebrews uh, 10? Yes. Right. Well, what, do you, what was the question? What do you ask me? For? I was asking you to, to, to quote it. Uh, to, if, if What's the dangers if a person sins willfully? Oh, uh, there's no longer sacrifice for that sin. That he's crucifying the Christ uh, all over again. Put him to shame. That's, that's the coming of that revelation. The, the scripture says that Don's talking about is, Revel, is uh, Hebrews 10, 13. If we sin willfully after we've come to the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for your sin. For you put Christ to an open shame. You, you're trying to say, well, I, I'm, you know, Christ was crucified for your sin. Then you're going back and you've been forgiven for all your past sin. Then you're going back again and then trying to get Christ to be crucified for your sin again. I've heard somebody say, well, Christ is just crucified every day for my sin. No, Christ died once and for all. Where you sin. We're, repentance means to turn from the sin. So, but 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 this woman is talking about that if you know if you willfully sin, you're just going to be miserable. You're not going to really. It's not like you're going to lose eternal life. What about the question? Has that person really come to the real knowledge and truth if he not willfully sin? Is she saved? Were they ever really saved in the first place? Well, what was it? What, if you really come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, no, uh, a sec turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. 
For if, if, yeah, Second Peter chapter two. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. They're going back to the sin. The latter end is worse with them from the beginning. They are in worse shape uh, because they're miserable. No, they're worse shape spiritually in their standing with God. God's wrath is upon them. The scripture says in. Um, what is it, uh, John 3.31, it says that uh, he that um, he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God uh, has life, but he that obeyeth not the Son of God hath not life, and the wrath of God abides on him. Uh, it's John chapter 3. But in here is talking, it says, so verse 21 says, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. So it would have been better for them not to ever know it. So what kind of condition do you think their soul's in at this point? Not, not good, right? So it's for, but it's happening to them according to the true verb, proverb. The dog is turned back to his vomit, and the sow, the pig, went back to the washing in, in, the, in the mud. So it's a very, very bad place for a person to be. Vince, go ahead. Yeah. <clears throat> If you can, uh, a good verse to turn to also because, um, you know, there's a lot of, the Old Testament gives explanation for like sacrifices for sin. But if you go to Numbers 15, starting, uh, we start at verse 27. And it says, if any soul sick to ignorant, I'll do some accent. Then he shall bring the ego first year for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for that soul that sinneth ignorantly. When he sinned ignorance before the Lord to make an atonement for him, it shall be forgiven him. He shall allow one law for him that sinned through ignorance, both for him that is born among the children of Israel, for the stranger and the sojourner among them. But the soul that doth ought presumptuously, whether he is born in the land or a stranger, the same reproacheth the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people, because he has despised the word of the Lord, hath broken his commandment, that soul shall utterly be cut off. His iniquity, his iniquity shall be upon him. Amen. That's a lot. Like that, that reminds now, me of... Now, I wanted to mention one other thing, too. Do you remember when Moses uh, asked to see God's glory? Yeah. And God said, I'll let all my goodness pass before you. And when he passes before him, he says something very interesting. He says, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. Right. So he's talking about the mercy and grace of God. Long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And then it says this, and will by no means clear the guilty. Mm. Visiting. So even right there in the, in the glory of God, he's revealing like, look, I'm wonderful, I'm merciful, I'm kind. But he, when you get over here and someone's going to be ignorant, God's got no problem judging. And he's going to judge those that tread upon and count unworthy the blood of Jesus. Let me give you another scripture. Uh, we talked about this last night in Ezekiel chapter 3 and uh, verse, verse 20. Ezekiel uh, 3 and 20. Uh, he says again, when a righteous man does turn from his righteousness and commit sin... 
and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die because thou hast not given him warning. He shall die in his sin and his righteousness which he had done shall not be remembered. Everything he's done right, he loses all of it. But his blood will not require him. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous don't sin. Nobody, you know, nobody says that today. That the righteous don't sin. And he do it and he and he doth not sin, he'll live if he quits sinning. But if he keeps sinning, he can't live, Linda. Where's that at? <laughs> Ezekiel 321. I'm sorry. Because he is warned, also thou hast delivered thy soul. So, you know, from what he's saying, you know. Going back to the end of that verse uh, 20, but thy blood will I require at thy hand. What that mean? That means that if, if the Lord tells you, puts you see somebody, you're around somebody, and if, if the person was a righteous man at one time, but then he starts going back to sin, that you're, you have to go to warn him. And if you don't warn him, his blood's going to be on your hand. Okay. In other words, you're going to take, you're going to have part of the, uh, of the responsibility of not telling him. So that's why, that's why Tiffany got on the bus and preached to everybody because she felt in her heart from what Cedric told me, and she says, I don't want these people's blood on my hands. So I'm just going to preach to all of them. You know, so that's what that's talking about. Okay. Um, I want to read this part from you. I'm not going to read it all because she's really got a lot here, but she said, uh, will God continue to forgive you if you commit the same sin over and over and over again? To best answer the question, we're going to look at the powerful passage of Scripture. The verse is found in the book of Psalms that he separates your sin as far as the east is from the west, uh, and he removes your transgression from you. Um, then she goes on and says, uh, one of the most effective tricks Satan plays on Christians is to convince us that our sins aren't really forgiven despite the promises of God's word. If we truly receive Jesus as Savior, receive Jesus as our Savior and still have to, uh, the uneasy feeling wondering whether there is a true forgiveness that may be coming from demonic influence, demons or hate that when they, when they don't grasp this, this. So God has forgiven all of our, uh, basically saying God has forgiven all of our past, present, and future sins. And don't be under the guilt of the enemy to think that all your future sins are not forgiven. That uh, that's all taken care of, and you don't need to repent or do anything after um, after you have, you've received Jesus as your Savior. Wow. <laughs> Where is she getting this? She doesn't read the. That's what she's being taught. That's yeah. what's being taught. She's commenting on yeah, this preacher she, that pre that teaches this. It's, she's not. They're not reading the New Testament at all. You know, at all. They're not reading the Bible. No. Well, go ahead, Wes. <laughs> First off, we need to realize that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God were to all of a sudden come into the New Testament with this idea, he would have to repent of all the stuff that he did in the Old Testament. Actually, in the New Testament, we were talking this morning about how his, his standard and his law is even higher from the Old Testament because our laws are written upon our heart. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, you could commit adultery, but in the New Testament, if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery. You can murder your brother in the Old Testament, but if you hate your brother, you're a murderer in the New Testament. The law has been upped, and then God holds us to a higher standard. He winked at other things in the Old Testament. Now he doesn't wink at those things 
And the New Testament commands at man everywhere to repent. That's what it says in Acts. But just even look at this in the Old Testament, God being the same yesterday, today, and forever in Ezekiel chapter 14. You can go over there. So a lot of people like to say God's the same yesterday, today, and forever when it comes to miracles, you know, his goodness. But he's the same yesterday and to today and forever in every aspect. Obviously, there Jesus was sent to forgive us of our past sins, but he still it requires his people to repent and walk holy. Um, verse 12 of chapter 14 of Ezekiel says, The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it, and cut off man and beast from it. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. So God's saying if, if there's a persistence of unfaithfulness, only the people that were really righteous, like Noah, Daniel, and Job, are going to be delivered. And uh, to go along with that, you see the same concept in Jeremiah chapter 15. And he says, verse 6, he says, You have forsaken me, says the Lord. You have gone backward. Therefore, I will stretch out my hand against you and destroy you. I am weary of repenting or relenting. I'm weary of you repenting. And I will winnow them with the winnowing fan in the gates of the land, and I will bereave them of children. I will destroy my people since they do not return from their ways. So they're doing evil and they're not returning. God's going to destroy them. And this is the same concept, like I said, out of Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. Not just a physical death, but a spiritual death. But the eternal life, you know, the, the gift of eternal life is through Jesus Christ, but you have to turn from your wickedness. Like Proverbs 28, 13 says, he who confesses and forsakes his sin will have mercy. You got to forsake it, though, to have that mercy. Okay, uh, next uh, she says this, um, and uh, she says, um, 1 John 3, 8, 9, she quotes, she says, that the same thing must be noted, that it is not, a, not biblical for a person to sin habitually and continually as a lifestyle and be a believer. 1 John 3, 8, 9, she quotes, but you know that he that is born of God does not commit sin, for he cannot sin because God's seed remains in him. He said, she says, this um, is why Paul admonished us to examine ourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ, and of course, in the Scripture, in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, as Christians, we, we do stumble, but we do not live a lifestyle of continually unrepentant sin. All of us have, weak, have weaknesses, uh, she says, and can fall into sin, and even if we don't want to. Even the Apostle Paul did what he did what he didn't want to do because of sin at work in his body. Okay, uh, that's a mouthful. So uh, somebody want to comment on that? The, the door is very narrow. Amen, <laughs> Well, I guess she's, she's kind of related. She's not in the Laryl Jordan, right? Yeah, 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 no. She's relating Romans 7, that whole deal. But it sounds that, it, that she's just really speaking stuff she's been talking. Okay, she, one thing that she said at the top is, is she said that... Um, 
that uh, Christians um, continue to stumble. Uh, so, it, it, and that um, as long as you're not doing habitual sin, I want to comment on. I want to get comment on those two. Go ahead, Vince. Well, I'll let someone else comment on that. Okay. Because uh, I have something else, but it goes along with this whole. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Want me to go ahead? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I I believe that. Like, if you listen to this lady talking, this is just bad teaching and bad doctrine that's out there. It leaves people like this, and they totally excuse other verses. And, um, and that's why it's so important, because if you look at John the Baptist, it was repent for the kingdom of God's hand. Jesus said, told them to go out and preach a message of repentance, and if they didn't repent, to shake off the dust from their feet, it would be more tolerable for the days of Sodom and Lord than for them. But it also talks about that, I want to read some other verses, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God, and if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? And what's in I put these bad doctrines and these bad teachings that they have like this put themselves in danger of hellfire and uh, damnation because the righteous are scarcely going to be saved. And Jesus said he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. And when the when the bar is preached too low, people live low, but they put themselves in danger of hellfire brimstone, and it, and it really lands on these, that's why it's good to go over these messages and these scriptures, and, and everything you read from this lady has just been passed on to her uh, by misunderstanding or taking some of the truth or some scriptures, but not looking at the whole Bible as a whole Very and good, really yes. breaking it down how God really thinks about, you know, I, like I said, I study a subject, I'll look everything up on it. You know, you can't just grab a scripture here, a scripture there, and then you know, make yourself feel good about it. And that's what happens with a lot of them, and they don't get the complete counsel of God on the issue. Amen. Uh, that, that's really good, Vince, uh, what you said. It's like when Jesus said in, in uh, Luke 13, 3 and verse 5, he said, repent or you shall likewise perish. Uh, very strong message. You know, unless you turn and, and walk with the Lord, you will perish. Welcome, guys. Good to have you. Hey, Chad, good to see you. Welcome, all of you. Good to have all, good to, good to have all you guys. What a blessing. Um, so anyway, we were just going over these things. Um, another thing that she was saying is um, that as long as you're not habitually sinning, using the word habitual or practicing, um, Cedric, I'm going to let you comment on that if you would. Uh, we, in First John, it talks about he that commits sin is of the devil. Mm. But some people's, uh, some modern day versions and some people will say, well, that means as long as you're not habitually sinning, as long as you're not practicing sin, then you're okay. Uh, what does the scripture actually, what is the meaning of that word? So to go to the Strong's Concordance, so lexicon is, is what it's called. There's a word called poeo. Poeo means to execute or to do. It's not more of a, a continuous matter like this lady is, is implying, but it's more of a if you do it. There's a, a, a quote that Pastor Dunn likes to, likes to preach about all the time. How long or how much uh, a win does a murderer becomes a murderer if he murders three times, two times, ten times, or one time. And he's becoming a murderer or named a murderer if he's doing it one time. It's the same thing that applies to sin. If a person sins one time or twice, they're not considered a sinner if they sin the second time. They're considered a sinner if they sin the first time. 
And so this lady who's implying this is saying that you don't become a sinner until you habitually do it. That's just the same as if you say a murderer doesn't become a murderer until he murders continuously. And so that would be the answer that I would give. What, what, what Cedric is saying, and he's quoting from, uh, if you want to turn to 1 John, uh, let's just get some parentheses here. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3, if you will. 1 John 3. We'll start at verse, um, let's start at verse 4. It says, whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law, for, the, for sin is the transgression of the law. So if the law says you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not commit adultery, and if you break that, that means that you're transgressing the law, that means that that is sin, because you're breaking the commandment. And then he goes on after that, verse 5, and he says, And you know that he, was, that he was manifested, which was Christ, was manifested to take away our sin. And in him, if you're in him, there's no sin. So the purpose of Jesus coming, he was manifested to take it away. This young man has his Bible with him, and I go over there and I take it away. Then you don't have it anymore. You might probably have it in your heart, but you don't have it anymore because it's been taken away. Christ came to take our sins away. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, he says, he says that, he didn't come to save us in our sin. He came to save us from our sin. So, he, so it's, to, it's to pull you out of that and, and redeem you. He says here in verse, in verse um, 6, he says, whoever abides in him sins not. Now, some versions will say does not practice sin or does not habitually sin. But that word practice there, if it's in your Bible, it's the same word here that's in the King James as committed. And that word, like Cedric said, is poeo, which means to execute, to do. It doesn't mean that you're doing it often, that you're doing it one week. Nowhere, if anybody can show me the Bible, I'd love to see it. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that, you know, if you commit sin three times, you know, then, you know, that's, you're not going to make it to heaven. Uh, how many times do you have to become, a, do you have to murder somebody in order to be considered a murderer? One time, right? Matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3, it says this, it says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named among you, not, let it not be once named among you as become a saint. Saints. So how many times would it take that if you commit fornication or, you, or you, any sexual immorality or any kind of thing, how many times you have to commit it to end up being that. He's saying here, don't even let it name, be named among you one time. So it's not about habitually doing it over and over again. Don't even have that one time. Go ahead, uh, Wes. Yeah, that's a, that's a great verse to combat that idea of practicing. Let it not be named among you once. And, and Romans uh, chapter 13, verse 14 says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for right. the flesh to fulfill its lust. So... Is no provision once? I mean, I would say no provision, no provision. That yeah, exactly. Not at all. That's why Jesus says to cut the evil hand off, let the evil eye out, or you're in danger of hell. Not in danger of losing rewards, not in danger of, you know, being shamed at the judgment, in danger of hell is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. And that means if you don't have the evil hand, if you don't have the evil eye, you're no longer doing evil. It's, that's why Jesus says a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear, produce good fruit. 
But um, to go along with what she talks about it, of, uh, she's equating the, the normal Christian life to Romans chapter 7, where a lot of these people, the false system, always go from, and they think that Paul oh, is the Romans wretch, that you know they're taking it from one verse, the things I want to do, I don't do, the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. Um, and that's going to be in verse uh, 15. He says, for what I'm doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. But they fail to realize verse 14 shows who he's really talking about. He says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So the word carnal means unregenerate. He's, he's speaking in the historical present, meaning he's talking about who he was previously to being saved and coming into the new covenant as a saved new believer. Um, so because a new believer, someone that's truly a Christian, cannot be sold into sin. Even in the previous chapter, Paul says, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether it's talking about it being a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. So here he's saying he's sold under sin, meaning he's a slave to sin, and, and so, and he's carnal, he's unregenerate. And, and here you see, and just to prove this point even more so, you see in verse 5 of this same chapter, look at verse 5 of chapter 7. He says, um, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions were aroused by the law, uh, we're at work in our members to bear fruit to death. So he's saying when we were, meaning past tense, when we were in the flesh, go to go to chapter 8, verse 3. Because this proves that he's not talking about how he, he, he is now. He says, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, to condemn sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirements of the law, I'm trying to look for this other verse, that it goes into, here, I'll find it right now. Oh, uh, okay, verse 8, sorry. Because um, verse 8 says, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So if you're in the flesh, you can't please God, but he talks about, there's no condemnation at the beginning of chapter 8 to those who walk in the spirit and do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what happens if you are walking in the flesh? There is condemnation. And like what Don quoted from John chapter 3, verse 36, he says, who believes he, whoever believes in the Son shall have life, but he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. There is condemnation for those who walk in the flesh, that are carnal, that are sold under sin. So it's impossible for Paul to be saved in chapter 7 in that state. Exactly. So, so when someone starts quoting uh, with what you're saying in, in chapter 7, as a reckoning that Paul is in a regenerator or a born-again state, it's not true because he says it in verse 13. He says, uh, for I, I, I am carnal. Sold under sin. What does carnal mean? Carnal means fleshly. Like you said, if you if you live after the flesh, if you walk in the flesh, you cannot please God. The Bible says, uh, if, if, "To be carnally minded, to be fleshly minded, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace." 
So we see carnal means unregenerate. And then he says, and then he says that, that uh, he was, uh, in, in chapter 7, he also says that uh, he's sold under sin. Uh, we know then that you're not free. If you're in bondage to sin, you're not free. You see, uh, the Bible says uh, in uh, John chapter 8, it says, it says that, if, if, uh, that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So you're in bondage to it. You're not free. You see, because you're, you're doing it. In 2 Peter chapter 2, it says of what we've overcome, what, what we overcome, the same we're in bondage to it. We're, we're in bondage to that. Yeah. Also in verse 11, Paul says right here, he says, for sin taken occasion by the commandment, it deceived him. So he obviously claimed that he was deceived at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just an unregenerate state. Go ahead, Vance, what you got? I wanted to add in here too, in all of the preaching hard against sin and the flesh, uh, man, we have to really think about the blood of Jesus, the price that was paid, and it says that the blood is sprinkled on an evil conscience, and it's revived, and the, and the vet was also rent, and the Holy Spirit comes into us. So, it, like me personally, I've had personal experiences where I have encountered and met the Holy Ghost on numerous occasions. The Holy Spirit is in me. And when the Holy Spirit is playing an active part in the life of a believer, I mean, if I go near certain things, I mean, I get a burning. I get, the, the, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. And, and when you're in a loving relationship with your wife, you're not going to do anything hurt her, harm her do anything, when you're in a loving, it, it's really relational, it's because sometimes we can look at it like, oh, it's sin, not sin, like, well, would you go up and slap your wife, or would you steal from her, or would you be mean to her, and when, we, when we're sinning, like, I love what Joseph said, how can I do this great evil and sin against the Lord, because he was in a relationship, and when you're in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and it's a daily active relationship, because I hear even these verses that um, Wes was reading right here in Romans, um, you know, it says, but you're in flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be, if so be the spirit of God dwell in you. And when Jesus died on the cross, it was so the blood can cleanse us so we can enter back into a real loving relationship with the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. And that in that relationship, you don't want to do anything to grieve quench or vex the Holy Spirit. For those that are here, I, I, I want to clarify what's going on. You walked in, some of you walked in a little bit later. I want to just clarify what's going on. Um, we have a YouTube channel on, uh, which is called Only One Truth. And uh, you may want to write that and go, go look at it sometimes. But uh, we get comments on that. So this lady, this one particular lady, I just thought I'd bring it out today because she had made like seven comments and I wanted to bring it out what was going on. Today, the day that we live in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says that uh, in the time of, that we end, we in the latter days, and in the latter days, we know that from, from even Pentecost, in the latter days, the Bible said there would be seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And we're, we experience that today, and we refute the uh, theology of that you can sin and you won't die. From the very beginning, Eve spoke, uh, the devil spoke to Eve, remember in the garden, and what did he tell? What did he tell Eve? You can eat the fruit that God forbidden you to do. That God commanded you not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And He said you can eat it and you won't die. 
Um, this, and, and so we're having the same message that's being preached today. You can sin and you won't die. That's been the message of the devil from the beginning. So I guess what they're saying is, hey, Jesus came to fulfill and make what the devil said the truth. No, it didn't happen. The same requirements from Genesis are all the way to Revelation chapter 22. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Now, some people may think, well, that's, that's pretty fiery and that's pretty scary. Well, the Bible says in Proverbs 16, 6, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. You need to be afraid. You need that fear in your life that it will cause you to come to that place in Christ where you will walk in holiness without sin in order to enter the kingdom. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 21, the last verse, verse 27, it says that nothing defiled shall enter into, the, in, into, God's, in, into heaven, into the, the pearly gate. It also says in Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter, he says that nothing, no liar, no one will enter in but those that are, are clean, will enter, but all the others of the sinner will be on the outside of the gates. So we see from Genesis, the beginning of the book of Genesis, all the way to the last book of the book of Revelation, the same message is taught. And that is that we must obey the commandments of God, walk in his righteousness. Uh, when Jesus was here, he spoke that. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and he asked him, what do I need to do to have eternal life? Great question, right? And Jesus told him, he says, you know the commandments, right? That's what he told him. Somebody today would say something, to you. you know what they would say today? So all you need to do is you need to come forward to an altar, ask Jesus to come in your heart, ask him to forgive your sins and accept the Lord as your Savior and you're saved in your sin. That's not what's taught in the Bible and never has been taught in the Bible. The scripture explains salvation real clear. Jesus said it himself in Luke 3, 5 and Luke 3, 3 uh, I mean 13, 5 and 13, 3. He said, repent or you shall likewise perish. That is the same message that it was back then, and it's the same message today. If you don't turn from your sin, you will perish. John the Baptist, when he came preaching, he came preaching and he, and he said, I'm not even going to baptize you, basically, is what he said, unless you bring forth fruit, meat for repentance, because repentance was the, was the message. Uh, and then that like Richard really came to Jesus, he tells him, he says, you know the commandments? Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. And he names the commandments. And the original ruler said, all these have I done. He said, and, and Jesus said, one thing you like. Go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. Take it to the cross and follow me. And you know the story. Most of you, Jesus, the, the young man walked away sorrowfully. It was only one thing that he was missing. Why? Because like you said earlier, Larry, narrow is the gate. Straight is the way, and few there be that enter it. Because what man is trying to do is he's trying to walk, widen that gate. You can, man cannot widen it. God already instituted. God put the gate narrow. And you have to do it God's way. The Bible says in, in uh, uh, Luke chapter 13, he says, says strive, many will strive to enter in, but they will not be able to. Why won't they be able to? Because they're, they're trying to do it their way. This has got to be done God's way. And God's way is holiness in him. The Bible says in Hebrews 5, 9, that he is the author of eternal salvation to all that obey him. Obedience is necessary for salvation. So, we, so I come in and we, and we refute these theologies out there. Why? Why do we care to do that? To argue? No, not to argue. But because, listen, if, if, you're, if your house is on fire, 
You might have worked all night and you lay there in that bed and that house on fire. Somebody could come to me and say, hey, listen, uh, don't disturb them. They're tired. If you wake them, they'll be mad uh, because you know, they, they need their sleep. So, man, the house is on fire. Yeah, but they're going to be mad if you wake them. Man, you're just going to have to be mad. I'm going in that house. I'm going to get that guy out of there and I'm going to do my best to save him from that fire. That's exactly what we're doing now. We're trying to wake people up from the fire. Their house is burning. It's on fire. But somebody's telling them, no, the house is not on fire. Leave them alone. No, you need to tell the truth. And you need to get things right in your heart before it's too late. So what are we doing? We notice the time is very, very short. We live in the last hour of the last days. And we need to tell people and share with people the truth so that they can come out of their sin. And they can live, live righteous. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, he says, he says don't be deceived. You know, what? I always see that when he says don't be deceived, uh, Cedric. It, it tells me right then, people are going to be deceived. You can be, you can be assured of that. That's a red flag, right? He says don't be, be deceived. The unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, a lot of people like to say, well, I'm righteous because of the blood of Jesus. His blood covers me. I'm just... I'm declared righteous no matter if I'm not doing righteous. Well, the scripture says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 7, it says, be not deceived again. It says, only he that does righteousness is righteous even as Christ is righteous. You're not righteous if you're not doing righteousness. You're not righteous because somebody said you, God made you righteous. No, if you're doing sin, you're not righteous. The scripture says in, in Ezekiel chapter 3 and also chapter 33, it says that if I see someone sin, that I'm going to go to them and I'm to warn them that the righteous do not sin. And if they turn from their sin, then glory to God, I've delivered my blood from my hand. But we are to warn people that you, that, because everywhere it's going on, guys. It's all over the place. I, I was a pastor at one of the churches here locally, and, and uh, I had to leave because the pastor was saying, you can sin and still make it to heaven. You can fornicate and still make this. God will just take you out, just heal you, and take you away. That's a lie. Whether he meant the lie, whether he did mean the lie, you've got to stick with what the Word of God says. This is the authority in our life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 3, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So we preach the Word of God in a simplistic form, not trying to make it mean anything else other than what it says. Like my, my brother quoted Vince quote a little while ago in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. He said, he, he said, judgment must begin at the house of God. Most of what we have today, not even the house of God out there. Because the Bible says the first requirement of a pastor is in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3. The first requirement of a pastor is that he be blameless. They don't even believe in being blameless. They will tell you they sin every day. He shouldn't be a pastor. A pastor is to be blameless, the Bible says. But in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, he says, Judgment must begin at the house of God, and it begin at us. Where shall the sinner end up? Where shall the ungodly appear? If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? This ought to scare the socks out of people. The Bible says in Titus chapter 1, verse 19, it says that they will profess that they know God, but in works they'll deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and to every good work a reprobate. So the, what does Paul say? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 34, he said, wake up. He said, quit being deceived. Wake up, he says, to righteousness. He says, and quit sinning. 
Paul said that. Quit sinning. Some people say, well, I can't quit sinning. Why not? The only reason you can't quit sinning is if you love your sin 